from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is Thai Cats Today with Louis B. Yes, it is Thai Cats Today for a Wednesday, October the 13th, 2021. And the Thai Cats still on a bye week for the next few days. So I'm uh, very pleased to be joined now by uh, CFL and CSN's Glenn Suter talking about the Thai Cats and everything CFL. Uh, Suits, it's always great to connect with you. Uh, let's talk about that Thai Cats game because for the second game in a row, to losing mm-hmm. on a field goal, it's, it's, it, it definitely stings for Thai Cats fans and the team. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can understand that. And, uh, you know, I, I know the team feels, um, you know, worse than anyone about it and the players and the coaching staff. But, you know, I, I think the, the approach here is that every win this season, including with Ottawa right now, I mean, it, you know, Ottawa all of a sudden has hope with their new quarterback and Caleb Evans and they're playing better so you know I think every single game will have to be earned the, the wins will have to be earned and you have to finish games and you have to make those plays not have the lull that I think Hamilton's had in back-to-back weeks where you know there's been a space of time sort of in the middle of the game that they kind of take their put off, foot off the pedal a little bit after having leads and and those leads evaporate quickly these these games have been close last weekend was uh Real tight football back and forth, one possession games all the way down to the wire. I, I know Marshall Ferguson had tweeted it out. He said the, the Ticats, you know, only trailed in about 8% of their possessions on offense in the last two weeks. And, and is there a level of frustration? Like, how do you overcome that frustration as a player when, when it feels like you're doing most of the things right? You know, it comes down to the statistics battle. When it comes down to losses like that, like, as a player, how do you overcome that frustration that might come with, with results like the last two weeks we've seen? Well, it's, it's basically back to fundamentals. It really is. It's, it's back to fundamentals. It's just making sure you categorize your priorities so that you know, for, for instance, that this next play is the most important play, not looking too far beyond. I know that sounds like a cliche, but um, it really is as simple as that. You, you get down to the fundamentals of you know, why you're there, why you made the team in the first place, the work ethic that's necessary. And I'm not suggesting they're not working hard. That's, that's not fair at all because I'm sure they are. It's, it's about just getting back to the, the little corrections that need to be made. And, and you watch the video, every single player, if they're honest with themselves, they'll be looking at the video and saying, okay, yeah, I, I know exactly why I got beat by that player on that play. And I'll make sure it doesn't happen again because I'm going to work on that fundamental, whether it be backpedaling or turning out of your backpedal as a DB, coming out of your break as a receiver, you know, making sure you finish and look straight at the ball the entire way through. Those sounds like sound like simple things, but a receiver just watching the ball hit his hands and putting it away before he turns and looks upfield, that fundamental is often overlooked and even the best in the business no matter what side of the border you're on will make that mistake so I I really think it's just getting back to the fundamentals and believing I mean Jeremiah Masoli throws for almost 400 yards 360 something yards two touchdowns not an interception and the club loses I mean those are those are numbers that should generate a win and yet they don't and they don't in this case because they didn't finish and they didn't uh, keep their foot on the pedal earlier in the game. And that's where they'll go back and, and make adjustments. Hitch and I were talking about this in the, uh, in the post game show that, it, you know, they were looking for that knockout punch. And we even talked about it at the half where it was like, okay, the Ticats played really good football. It felt like they should have been up by more than, 
you know, however much they were up at the half. Like, how do you find, how do you learn how to deliver that knockout punch? Because it, it, it's tough to find. You mentioned it, you know, that there was a point in that Montreal game, they were up 17 to three. It looked like yeah. it was over. And there was a certain point uh, uh, against the Argos on Monday as well. Like, how, how do you learn to, to knock them out? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I think, again, once you get back and you look at the little things that you you weren't doing, do, doing during the lull and that you were doing at the beginning of the game when you earned the lead, when you got the lead, you worked hard to get there, you'll see the differences. You'll see the drop-off and, and the mistakes that were being made in that lull. So then it, it becomes, you know, the reminder over and over again that you can't be scoreboard watching during a football game. It really is that simple. I mean, there are situational football that you have to look at. There is, you know, situations where, you know, you have a big lead and you, and you maybe run the ball more, um, you know, those kind of things. And that's up to the coach to make those decisions and to make those uh, determinations as to how he's going to call the game. But for a player, you just can't get caught looking at the scoreboard. Like, we're up, we're okay. It's, it's not even a conscious uh, decision to look at the scoreboard and say, yeah, we've got a 10-point lead, so I'm going to cruise now. No one thinks that way. But it's kind of like I've always made the analogy of the difference between regular season foot uh, hockey and playoff hockey. There is an absolute different level between regular season and playoffs. And it's why we love playoff hockey. But if you could bottle that and you could do it every single down in the regular season, you'd have the best team in the league. But you can't. It's it's not something you consciously try to do, like relax, but it happens. It's human nature. So no scoreboard watching during the game. Take care of your assignment. Next play matters the most. And stick to the fundamentals. Go through those fundamentals and that playlist in your head. And it seems like this Ticats coaching staff, like with Coach O, with Tommy, with Mark Washington, with Jeff Reinbold, like, I mean, the coordinators, the coaching staff, like, it just seems like they have the right pieces in place to really hammer that point home. Yeah, you know, I'm not seeing any in-game mistakes, you know, big decisions that are, you know, that you'd want back at the end of a game. I mean, there's small ones that all the time, but I'm not seeing these these glowing uh mistakes that happen in game as far as sort of game management goes with the coaching staff and you know they look prepared they look like they have good game plans that's why they get out to early leads you know they have good game plans and and it's not even I know people would then go well maybe it's not adjustments then they're not doing enough adjusting as the game goes on that's not true either really so I at least I'm not seeing it I'm not seeing that all, all of a sudden the opponent makes massive adjustments and and Hamilton doesn't correct um, you know, to match it. So, you know, I would say that, again, these games are going down to the wire and you can't overlook any team. You can't look past any play. And uh, I think teams are learning that. They're learning it in the West too. You know, that the, the games in the West, the Saskatchewan uh, game against Calgary, they were in the same position. I mean, a dropped William Powell pass or Saskatchewan wins instead of Calgary in that game. And and it came down to one or two plays. So you just don't know which one they are. That's, that's the, there's an analogy. or uh, there's, there's the old uh, cliche that I'll use in that case. Is that you, you, there's, it's one or two, three plays. You just don't know which ones. Uh, you mentioned Jeremiah Masoli. And, and obviously, you know, he's kind of been talked about all season long. First, there was the quarterback competition in camp. He wins the starting job. He gets hurt. 
it seemed like that was the closest to 2019 Jeremiah Masoli that we saw. You mentioned his stat line. And it, it feels like he's right on the cusp of having that, that big game that, that the team needs. But I think more importantly, that Jeremiah needs. Not that he's lacking confidence, but I just I feel like he needs a, a big game with a big win to, to really kind of solidify you know, who yeah. he is almost. Yeah, it's a great point. It's like it, it validates the process. You're, you're working real hard. Your numbers are there. You're not making the glaring mistake. And yet you've lost a couple and you're trying to figure that out. And what happens is the self-doubt will start to creep in. Am I doing enough? Am I doing the right type of work? Am I doing the right type of studying? And those questions start to, you know, bother you to a point where, and I, and I don't think they have, I haven't seen it anyway from, from Hamilton players yet, but they can get in your head and then you're in your head and now it's, it compounds the problem. So you know, I think it can validate the process when you do get that win. And that's, you know, like I said, that it's, it's game to game and, and preparing for the next one is the most important right now because they're in the thick of the fight. Jeremiah has looked good. He's looked good. And Dane Evans is close. It looked like in the warm-up, uh, Dane Evans was throwing the ball really hard. So, you know, both those quarterbacks being healthy and available is also going to help the bigger pitcher. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And um, we're talking about going into the bye week right now. We mentioned that. Ty Ketzer, how important was it for you as a player to either, you know, focus on, you know, what's gone on since the last bye week or how the season's been going and also the balance of try to get away, like try to clear your mind. This is such a mental game. It's especially coming back after a pandemic. It just seems like it's been football, football, football. What's your kind of balance between a bye week on the physical side, the mental side? How, how, how did you look at it as a player? Well, you know, the way I handled it was to do a little bit of both. Like, go, go back home, see your family, see the ones you love, but take video with you. So you have your computer full of all the games that you just played so that at night after dinner when the kids are in bed or however your family situation looks, you spend a couple of hours looking and self-evaluating. It's a, it's a great chance to, you know, really make notes on your own play because during a regular work week, you are looking at the opponent and studying the opponent. You don't get as much chance to, other than right after a game, you don't get a whole bunch of chance during the week to self-evaluate. So I think, you know, I used, I did it, I used the time to, to sort of do a little bit of both. But I, I hear often fans say, you know, they should just, if they've lost a couple going into a bye, they should stop. They should stay all at the facility and they should work hard and practice every single day and not go home. And I, I couldn't disagree with that more. I, I think when you walk in the door and your kids meet you that you haven't seen in a few months, it, it not only refreshes you, but it also reminds you of the sense of urgency that's necessary to go back and win. Because those are the kids that are looking to you to put food on the table. And that reminder in real time, seeing them, I don't think there's any more motivation needed than to walk in, see your family, and realize it's up to you to win games. And if you win games, you stay on the roster, you stay on the roster, you can put food on the table. Well said. And, I, you know, I think one of the underlooked storylines with this Ticats team is just, you know, every team's been dealing with injuries. But when you look at the the key impact players that the Ticats have been dealing with, you know, you missed Braylon Addison for the first uh, seven games of the season. Frankie Williams would have been 
a super valuable player in a game like we saw in Toronto. Uh, they're not going to make excuses. It's a next man up mentality team. But how mm-hmm. much, how much, how difficult is that for a coaching staff and for players to kind of have that plug and play throughout the season when you know your bodies are aching and and it, it, it's tough to find consistency in the lineup. Well, I'll try and find a, a half full here, a half full version of this answer because you're right, and it's it's difficult. And you you know you lose Speedy B and a playmaker like that for a couple of games, and uh, it, you know it, it makes an impact absolutely. Uh, but you're right, a lot of teams have gone through it, and they have to keep finding new ways. But here's the half full answer because as this goes on, and it does every season. Um, you are now getting more experience to more players on your roster. You're going deeper into your roster, and those players can emerge. Sometimes they become instant stars, and sometimes they're not noticed, but they're getting valuable experience. And that valuable experience pays off when you're heading into a playoff game four or five weeks later down the road, and all of a sudden a guy wakes up in the shower and he's got a back issue, and you – step in and and you've this this young guy has got four or five games of experience when you missed him when you missed your star during the beginning of the year and he's ready to play in that playoff game so you know that's the silver lining of of injuries but it's it's part of it it's why you know what it it's it's kind of like why not everyone can play this game because (laughs) it's it's a physical game there's going to be bumps and bruises you're going to have to sit out a couple of times and someone else gets an opportunity. Yeah, and, and you know, for the Thai Cats, you know, with the with the with the Addison, the Banks, the the Devere Posey injury to start the season before being released, you know, the emergence of guys like Stephen Dunbar Jr. or yeah. Tim White or even Pappy exactly. White uh, obviously have uh, been huge for the, the Thai Cats here. All right, let's uh, let's move on from the Thai Cats. Let's talk about kind of the CFL as a whole because there's a couple of quarterback topics going on right now. Vernon Adams Jr. will stick with the East to start, but Vernon Adams Jr. on the six-game injured list. Montreal's right there, second in the East division. They're trying to keep pace with, with Toronto, uh, but this this has to be a huge blow for Montreal and, and, and where they're at right now in the season. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because, you know, again, Vernon Adams was was starting to develop into the guy who was who was figuring it out. Early, early on in the season, it looked like he was in his head a little bit, and uh, was a little inconsistent. He he still showed the great things that he did um, th- that everyone got excited about with Vernon Adams, but he he showed inconsistency to a point where they started to lose a couple games, and then they started coming back, and for this to happen the way it did, I mean, he was trying to get extra yards, reaching with the football, takes a hit on the way, and, you know, uh, it's, it's an interesting discussion uh, on its own when it comes to quarterbacks hook sliding, trying not to take hits, or going for that extra yard or two, that's a discussion for another day. But, um, you know, it, it is going to be a blow. The, the, the one thing that I'll say about the way Matthew Schiltz came in is, is that he came in with great enthusiasm, made a couple of plays. It wasn't a, it wasn't a large body of work, but he looked like he was prepared and ready to get that opportunity, and, and we'll see. He's, he's going to have the ball in his hands now, and we'll see how long William Stanback's out, but they, they got some, uh, some production out of their backup. So. Yeah, it's hey, it's like you just said, it's it's part of the game and it's part of uh, overcoming adversity. All right, from east to west, an interesting situation developing in Edmonton. Uh, head coach Jamie Elizondo saying they're going to be, I don't want to say moving on from Trevor Harris, but at least uh, right now at yeah. this point of the season, they, they are as uh, he'll be the third 
quarterback now, third-string quarterback. What, what do you make of this situation? Trevor Harris is someone who I feel like has kind of earned a reputation in this league, uh, but obviously the results aren't coming for him or the Elks right now. What, right. What, what's your, what, what are your thoughts on, on what's going on in Edmonton right now? Yeah, it's a tough one to figure out. Um, not, not because I'm surprised at the move, because by the, by the lack of production in the Winnipeg game for Trevor Harris coming back from that injury – um, I, you know, I guess we shouldn't be completely surprised. Uh, Taylor Cornelius had played when Trevor was down and showed some, some positive signs. I mean, still made two or three crucial mistakes in the games that he started that, that really became the reason they lost. But um, not surprising when you see the, just the lack of production in the Winnipeg game. So yeah. the question now is, what do you do with a guy with that type of price tag just prior to the trade deadline, and you're not even going to dress him. I mean, to have a, a quarterback who technically, and we don't really have this designation in the CFL, but I'll just use it. Technically, um, he is the franchise player and the franchise price tag, and now he's not even going to dress for games when he's healthy. That's a lot of money to be not dressing. So I would say that, you know, and, and I'm speculating completely here that. Teams will be, be getting the phone call about whether or not any team is interested in a trade for Trevor Harris. It, it, yeah. I mean, I don't know what else you do. If this is the decision the coach has made to not even dress him, how do you leave that kind of payroll, that kind of, that kind of money, you know, in street clothes? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And it has been strangely quiet on the trade front. And, and you wonder, you know, what, what the situation is going on there. And like I said, the de trade deadline coming up. I want to talk about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because, um, I mean, they really are the class of the CFL right now, uh, kind of running away with the West Division, running away with the standings lead. What have you seen from them as the defending champions? Is it, is it, is it their great cup to lose at this point right now from what you've seen? Yeah, they're the best team in the league. They're the, they're the best team in the league because they have the best offensive line, the best defensive line in front seven. And because of that, because they control the line of scrimmage when they play, uh, can run the ball and pass it and throw it with Zach Kolaris, that this is the best team in the league. And um, they have separated themselves from the pack. And it's, it is their great cup to lose. It looks like it'll be inevitable that they will host the West final. And you are going to have to go in the West through Winnipeg to get to the cup. And that's going to be the challenge. And, you know, the only issues I can see right now with, well, it's really just one is kicking in is the kicking game and the inconsistency there for coach O'Shea and the, and the bombers, because their kicking has been all over the map. And I, I'm not sure if before the trade deadline, the talk in Winnipeg is that the fan base wants a trade. And they want to find a kicker that they can maybe – now they're going to have to give up an asset to get an established kicker. And who do you give up if you're looking at your roster in Winnipeg for a consistent kicker? And if you're dealing with Edmonton and Sean White, who are you giving up to Edmonton at that point? So it's, it's an interesting one because that's really their only Achilles heel is their kicking game because other than that, they're solid both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, nobody's scored more points. Nobody's given up fewer points. And uh, they got six wins in a row. They're 6-0 and against the West Division. And uh, I, I, what are you looking at in this kind of home stretch of the season? What, what, what storylines are, are kind of, have kind of caught your eye as we kind of wrap up the last final third here of the, the CFL condensed season? 
Yeah. Well, for one other one other note with Winnipeg, they have not given up a touchdown in the fourth quarter on defense. The only yeah. points they've allowed in the fourth quarter on defense this year have been two field goals. And there is actually on one of the betting lines right now, there's a prop bet on whether or not they will give up a touchdown in the fourth quarter all season long. That's how wow. good they <laughs> Yeah. So that's amazing. So yeah, yeah, you know what? You know what? In the season overall, first of all, I am just so thankful that we have football back, that we've seen some great entertaining games. I know scoring is down and that's, um, you know, caused some frustration with some people that like to see the big high scoring games, but um, it's been, it's been good football. And I, I really appreciate that the players have gone through uh, all the protocols they've had to, and all the coaching staff and all the differences that they have to kind of do. I mean, basically you're not seeing your family at all. And yeah. you're, you know, and Hey, listen, I, I know there's so many people that are so worse off, so I'm not trying to make it sound like, you know, that's this, the players are really suffering and things like that. But I just think that they've done a real good job of being prepared, uh, putting a great entertaining product on the field. Um, we've seen some unbelievable catches, you know, where returns are down. The big catch by the receiver is up. Uh, some good quarterback play at times. You know, I, I, I'm looking forward to a down of the wire um, some upset games where teams on the top of the of the schedule and on top of the divisions uh, get knocked off by teams that are at the bottom. I think that's going to be possible because on any given day, I believe that's where we're at right now. And Hamilton can be, you know, one of the teams that would agree with that, I would think. And, you know, so I, I just love the entertainment. I love that it's back. Louis, the, the ratings are, are fantastic for our football games. We're, we're averaging well over 500,000 a game. Most games are around 650, some getting over 700,000. That's better ratings than pretty much anything that we do at TSN. So I I just, uh, the fans are loving it. I I applaud the players and coaches for going around all this code of, not going around it, but, you know, all the protocol that's been necessary throughout this pandemic and, and to get this done and to get entertaining football on the field. And I look forward to a strong finish and a race for the playoff positions. And that's such a great point on the on the COVID protocols because you know I think you know even with the tie cat with us going back to 100% capacity at our, our stadium it's 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 sometimes easy to forget the sacrifices that these players make in regular times right a lot of these American players being away from their family but then to do it one step further uh, you know in, in COVID times it's been really impressive and the results you know outside of uh, you know, the, the outbreak in Edmonton, I think you got to be pretty happy with the way everybody stayed uh, healthy and uh, uh, moving forward this season. Suits, it's always great to connect with you. So thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we got to make sure we do it a little more often than we've been doing. I think this is your, uh, your first appearance since kind of week one. So we'll have to get you back much sooner than, uh, than that. Anytime, man. If you need anything, I'm in. <laughs> Perfect. My thanks to Glenn Suter for joining me on Ticats today, and my thanks to you for joining for the Ticats Audio Network. I'm Louis B. Hope you have a great day. Ticats today with Louis B. Subscribe, like, and get your Ticats fix every weekday.